Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Over the last year, sporadic COVID lockdowns have disrupted everyone's lives. There was discussion about the impact on students doing the HSC and what it meant for mental health across the board. But what about our youngest learners? What about those children in early learning centres? We know that early education plays a huge role in the future success of our children, not just in their first year of school, but throughout their lives. The childcare group G8 commissioned research in conjunction with YouGov to see how COVID lockdowns had impacted the different families in their centres. Annie Jorgensen, G8's Melbourne-based area manager, is here to talk about what they found. Hi, Annie. How are you? Hello. Good. Thanks. Yourself? Good, thank you. I mean, of all the parents I empathise with, I can't help empathising the most with Melbourne parents. You guys have really had the rough end of the stick through this pandemic, haven't you? Yeah, it was pretty tough there for a while, yeah. Yeah. So what did you find about the parents um, that you were working with? How did they how did they manage the COVID lockdowns? Were many still sending kids to daycare? Yes, look, there was some that needed to continue to have their children attending due to the fact that they had to work themselves um, and whatnot. So we ensured that during that time that we did really make sure that we were providing a lot of stimulation and nurturing for the children there because we found that even our attendances were quite low as well. So we had to make sure that, that socialisation and that impact on those children was minimal whilst at the service because a lot of their friends weren't there anymore either. So we had to make sure that we got a lot of um, online media type things with the children, Zoom meetings, reading books, all that sort of stuff. So then the children will be able to connect to their friends that were at home so that keep that friendship and that socialisation up for when they did return back, yeah. And so what about those kids that did stay at home? Like were the parents, were they uh, stay-at-home parents? Were they still working? Because I had my kids at home with me and they're primary school aged so I could sit them down, theoretically, I could sit them down with a book or something to do you don't have that option with very small children. Did your parents talk to you at all at, at, about how they were juggling kids at home as well as working from home? Yeah, they did say that obviously we were in contact with a lot of our families, even though they weren't engaged physically at the service. Just as before, we did explain, we did you know do a lot of Zoom meetings and phone calls and whatnot and emails, and they did say that it was really tough for them. They had to manage their work life and also, as you mentioned, had a lot of children that they were homeschooling, plus they had little toddlers running around at the same time as well. So, yeah, it was really quite tough there for a while for a lot of our families. And the research that you guys did or you commissioned with my, with YouGov, what did they find about what was worrying parents when it came to their kids and early childhood education? Well, I guess they were really um, worried about their children being anxious They were concerned that they sort of seen a halted development in their social skills and confidence, their emotional maturity. Some parents also were quite concerned um, about their language and number skills as well. However, we have seen them bounce back, which has been, obviously, children are very resilient, so they have bounced back quite quickly. But during that time, that were the things that we did find, yeah. You were speaking before about uh, keeping up their socialising through Zoom and through the children that were still at the centre and trying to keep that connection going. 
did you feel like that was successful while you were doing it? I'm just interested because we all relied so heavily on Zoom and video conferencing at that time. But I think most of us felt like while it was good to still see people's faces, uh, it didn't really feel as great as being next to each other. And I'm wondering if you've seen an impact of, of that on the children, like whether were the Zoom calls enough or do you think they missed out on something special? Well, look, physical connection, you, you can't, there's nothing there's a second to that. You can't really beat that. But I guess we just had to do what we needed to do and really dug deep around um, a lot of our platforms. We had a fantastic one called Parent TV where the families were able to log in um, to this and there's a lot of um, professionals on there that can give families tips around anxiety and children being stressed and what we can do to connect. And, look, we did find that they really did enjoy the children, especially at the services. We'd get really excited when we did Zoom the families in and they'd all log in at the same time and, you know, listen to the educators who were reading their books or doing cooking or art or craft activities, exercise classes, music and movement, language and whatnot. And we also found that this really helped these children and the mums and dads as well when they returned to the service because they already had the connection and they didn't lose that connection with not just their peers but the educators in their services as well. And when you were talking about language and numbers and, and that kind of thing, language definitely stands out as a concern. Numbers, I feel like, well, they're going to learn that at school anyway. Um, did you feel that they were the children when they came back to the centre had fallen behind in their language development? Well, yes, some of them did definitely because they didn't have that day-to-day stimulation that they would have in our early learning classrooms. However, as we know, children do bounce back quite quickly and they are very resilient, so it hasn't taken them long to catch up and to continue where they left off really, especially with the extra work that our educators did put in at that time. It was almost like a resettling period for our children and it wasn't just in you know the younger rooms it was also for our kinder age children as well and the ones who were heading off to school the following year we just to make sure that we were really spending a lot of time with them and ensuring that they were okay and that they were ready to do what they needed to do in their next steps. So that was definitely something your research found wasn't it that parents who had children who were about to go off to school thought they might be disadvantaged when they finally get there. What are the kinds of things that you needed to work on in particular with those children to get them up to speed? Doesn't sound the right expression because I I understand we're not talking about writing and numeracy skills and literacy skills, but what did you have to work on in particular to make sure those children will start school um, or would have started school this year feeling confident and happy to be there? I think you sort of nailed it there with with the expression of being confident. Uh, as we know, when our little children do end up going in the, the big world of school, it's the socialisation bit that does end up getting them through and we just had to make sure that we built on their self-esteem and that we were nurturing them and encouraging them to be in that group setting and really building on them so when they were going to school that they were back to where they were confidence-wise you know, you're away from children for a certain period of time. They had to resettle and get used to being in that group again. You mentioned before that parents were worried about their children being anxious. Some kids can go through world disasters and have no inkling of what's going on and others can be really affected by it. What did you find with the children and the research that you did Were the children anxious about COVID? I mean, what were their thoughts and feelings around that? 
it's quite funny, you know, like I, I, even with my own children, it's around that whole COVID normal. And I, I think it all depends on what environment's around them and how that's sort of being portrayed to them. Yes, it's about talking to them about what's happened, that it is going to be okay, but these are the fun thing we can get out of it. The children now know what Zoom is. They're, they're so used to the processes and whatnot that even what we were doing at services to keep them safe around the temperature checks and whatnot. So, Yes, while the children were definitely anxious and it did affect them because, as we know, a lot of them weren't able to visit their families. They weren't able to do the normal things, uh, go to the supermarket or go shopping or to the park for a period of time. So whilst, yes, it did affect them at the time, once again, with their little resilience and the work that the families have put in those support structures that we had with our online um, methods and whatnot and platforms, we were able to really work collaboratively with the families of that partnership to know who were going to be our anxious children and really focusing and not in building them back up again to make sure they're okay. And do you think there's going to be any long-term impact of this disruption? Look, they have bounced back and I know they will remember my my son himself. He's seven now and he does remember it, but we're very positive with him. And we, as I said, we just explained the basic facts child level not to scare them but I think it all just depends on the families and ensuring that they are being positive with their children and that they are explaining what's happened but it is okay it's a moment in time but look at the fun things we got to do through that. Well Annie thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. That's Annie Jorgensen she's G8's Melbourne-based area manager. Feed Play Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.